Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. Mostly that's Nick and I's role in this uh, little shenanigans-filled endeavor. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to let our returning guest, Mr. John Apple, introduce himself to our listeners and re- viewers. I said readers. They're reading nothing here. They're watching and listening. They're reading the show notes. There you go, Nick. Save the day in a clinch. Clutch player. Clutch player. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, so yeah, he's my energy level, John. <laughs> hey, Sorry, my, uh, the bang I had earlier, I guess, wore off. <laughs> so if you responded to the radio, we will not judge you because he was talking to you, dear listener. Yes, you, just you, not anyone else, just you. All right. Now that that's Maybe out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now that that's out of the way. So the next part of the introduction is how we first found them. So this one came to me through the twisted and warped mind of uh, Mr. Nick Garber. So Nick, how did you find John? Uh, I found him. He was, he was cold, left out in the rain on a far corner of Facebook. And, uh, I felt sorry for him. He looked at me with those puppy doe eyes and I brought him in, got him warm, give him some kibble, put a blanket on him. And, uh, he's striving as a comic book artist now. So yeah. that's why the he's big got, guy, he's got a thing for gingers. I do. I do. Well, he doesn't have a soul to lose. So he's got no skin in the game. Eh. I think I lost my soul somewhere around 2003. I'm sure someone picked it up. It's in a lost and found, lost and found somewhere in Kandahar. My ex-wife took mine, so whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll do it right there. Yeah, can't yeah. Anywhere. No, you really can't. No, not at all. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, we got the religion questions. We're not forgetting this time. Uh, we took no end of heckling when we did that last time, and Stabby still won't let us forget it. So we mixed it up because you've been on here before, but Stargate. Warehouse 13 or Terra Nova? Ooh, I like the changeup. That's for you, John. That's for you, John. Answer. I wasn't <laughs> listening. What? <laughs> you know, that's what wives are for, not for guests on podcasts. That's All right, true. religion question. Stargate, Warehouse 13, or Terra Nova? Stargate, this one's the only one I know of out of those. I oh, mean, we got to widen your... Uh, your perception of reality, my man. Well, I right. I like Star Wars and Star Trek. I've seen Stargate. Uh, I have uh, what was that Australian one? Farscape. That was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Terra Nova I, was the one that was on Fox, so it only got one season. Fox Entertainment is where good shows go to die, and it was the uh, the idea they go through a parallel dimension or back in time. We never really got answers, and they end up in the prehistoric kind of ish era. So there were dinosaurs and sci-fi and like what's not to love. So of course. Fox News or Fox News, Fox Entertainment killed it. It was yeah, it was, they killed uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. They ruined a lot of was, things, actually. Which was an awesome show. So I remember nice that show after. vaguely. They got like one or two seasons, I think. That was about yeah. It, it had Bruce Campbell in it, kind of yeah. doing like uh, it was a lot of weird stuff. It was like Doctor Who, but in the West and American, and no time travel. So it was just like a lot of weird stuff that he was doing back yeah. in the eighteen hundreds. It was pretty crazy. I enjoyed it. I liked Warehouse 13, though. I have not seen that one. I'm going to have to look that one up. Most really most like of the work that. I've had has been horror-related, so that's been a lot of what I've been watching lately is various stages of horror movies and shows. 
You've come to the right group, my friend. Oh, good. So, uh, so do Stabby, since. Shutter? Do what? Do you have Shudder? The, the movie no. streaming service? Nope, not yet. It's like Netflix for horror fiends. Oh, I have to watch that. All right, so Stabby, out of that, what are you picking? Stargate, Warehouse 13, or Terra Nova? Warehouse 13. Uh, oh, it had uh, Amanda Tapping in it, didn't it? I absolutely loved that show. Wait, are we talking about Stargate the show or the movie? Either one, dealer oh, choice. Either one. Yeah. Uh, I like oh. the movie more. <laughs> Did you just Caden noise on TV? Oh. <laughs> I hope not. It's our stepson. I wanted to make My sure I, I picked the right thing because I, I like the movie better than I did the show. I like both for different reasons. So, um, but yeah, Amanda Tapping for SG One was good. Uh, the acting, I li like to see um, Quantum Leap back. That was kind of cool. Uh, that was the remake. Uh, wasn't that the guy that was the? Um, no, he's MacGyver. He was MacGyver. There we go. Not Quantum Leap. Yeah, yeah. The dude from MacGyver was in the Stargate TV show, but I liked the yeah. one with Kurt Russell better. Yeah, Kurt Russell yeah. movie. Yeah, I liked all three, but Terra Nova had dinosaurs, so I don't know. But there's, I, I remember oh, seeing uh, commercials and stuff for Terra Nova. But there was so little of it that it's just like there's just so much more content with Stargate, so it wins in a in a clinch. But the other part of that is Terra Nova was so short they didn't have time to ruin any of it with like jumping the shark. So, <laughs> yeah. but like with with Warehouse 13, it's like Secret Service has to guard South Dakota's version of Area 51. <laughs> yeah, it's just too much fun. And then they keep releasing things that they're not supposed to and have to stop it before anybody finds out. And so that sounds like the government. Yeah. I dig it. Okay, okay. Well, we've got some more questions because we, you know, we're polytheistic here. Uh, Labyrinth, Legend, or Willow? Oh, Ooh. damn. I like all three yeah. for different reasons. I remember seeing Willow in theaters, though, so that was pretty awesome. And I've always had a thing for Jennifer Conley. Yeah. She's no, on my lemonade list. Willow? Jennifer Conley and Willow? No. She's oh, okay. I was going to say that. That was uh, Val Kilmer's ex-wife. Like you just totally confused me for a split second. No, she's in Labyrinth. She is Labyrinth, but she's underage in Labyrinth, so I can't have the uh, the well, feels no, there. No. So I got to watch Top Gun Maverick for that. So, so it was okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was a child. <laughs> now I'm still kind of a child, but that's that's neither here nor there. We don't judge. All right. So what about you, Stabby? Oh, well, Labyrinth. not officially. Labyrinth. Yeah, a lot of girls choose that. David Bowie. I love all three of them. I love Willow. Um, I haven't watched the remake yet or the the, the, the Willow the movie was a lot better than TV show. I thought. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. But I believe it was you that told me that Willow was wicked. I liked Willow the movie. I never watched the TV show, but. Apparently, Willow was just clinging on to the IP and was nothing about actual, the original, so. Yeah. Not really. I don't know where they got the, the name from, because it was in the Willow. The, the character was there, but they just took it in the future, which they would have had to do, like the baby they saved um, in, in the movie, but then it was. Laura? 
Yeah, but then it became the same kind of trash you get from the political side of Hollywood that doesn't care about stories. No. So I don't know. uh, Willow had the best line in a movie ever. I stole the baby while that stupid daikini was making a (laughs) pee-pee. Those brownies are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Until you put them on the TV show and then then they're not cool. Then they're not cool anymore. What did you not like about them in the TV show? I never watched the show, so. Oh, it did. A lot of the charm that the movie had wasn't in the TV show because I felt they were trying to do more of the politically correct nonsense and re- uh, what was it, representation or. Yeah. Well, I can't remember the proper term right now, but. Diversity? Yeah, the diversity nonsense that. I don't know. It was it wasn't existent when we were kids, but yet somehow you still had diverse movies magically. They didn't shove it down your throat. But the TV show to me is like they were more concerned with that than trying to tell a good story. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, the funny thing is is when the kids will be like, This is the first time we've had X, and then all the old school fans of all the different things are like, Well, let me tell you where you're wrong. Yeah. They don't God forbid, because they don't want to hear that. Yeah, it's never been a strong female character, and then like there's the whole list that have been since like the dawn of I've got entire playlists of of stuff like that. Yeah, it's not that that we don't uh, like female led movies, we just don't like bad female led movies. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, Ellen Ripley was the shit. Yeah, back in the day, um, reminded me of a meme with all this stuff, um, especially when Black Panther was coming out, like, oh, Marvel's pretty, you know, making a movie their first, uh black superhero and then it showed a picture of blade and he's like am i just a joke to you (laughs) so how easily people forget or god forbid they do five seconds of research well um it's all for clicks man it's all for clicks warwick davis who plays willow is also in the labyrinth but he also plays like five different people in the star wars Universe. He's been Harry Potter as well. Yeah, he was a goblin. Yeah, he plays two characters. Actually, he plays Professor Flitwick. Yep, and he plays uh, Grip Hook, the bank teller. You freaking nerd! He's in those god awful uh, Leprechaun movies too. One of us. One of us. One of us. That was that was an insult to Irish people everywhere. And did the Irish complain? No, they didn't. They just ate another potato and drank some whiskey and carried on. Pretty much. Whoa, 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 and then we got a fist fight afterwards. Jesus, <laughs> that, that, that's how that's how we uh, uh, show emotion. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. All right, but, drinking so, and eating potatoes. Obviously, we've got we've got a bonus question for the religion question today, and there is a wrong answer for this one: Batman, Uh-oh. Superman, or Captain America. Think of what day we're on. Hmm. Green Lantern. Oh, <laughs> sacred option four. I always, I always lean into uh, Captain America because he was in the army. But I, I imagine yeah. there has to have been other army superheroes. I'm just not well versed. Well, I, I like them all because, but for different reasons. Yeah. Batman is awesome because he is completely human, but yet he's on the Justice League. He can go toe to toe with anybody, whether physically or mentally, and he can outmaneuver anybody you can put him up against. 
the Justice League. You mean Batman and his four bitches? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. America. I did see recently, though, someone had posed the question on uh, what if you thought uh, who would do better in a fight between Batman and Captain America. I would just get some popcorn and watch the show because it, it would be entertaining no matter what. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Kevin McAllister against the Predator. Yeah, oh, that would be a fun one too. Depending how much well, how much prep time Kevin has. It's like Cap versus uh, Iron Man. Well, see, the cool thing about Iron Man is he's human too. It shows you that you can do a lot of things if you've got the wallet deep enough. Yeah, but yeah, four to six point five billion dollars suit. Yeah, but I know a lot. So my youngest is. Stabby hush. Be nice. <laughs> my, my youngest is into robotics because of Iron Man. Like, I wonder how, just like I imagine some of the mech stuff inspires the young Japanese kids that grow up seeing that to like, and that's a, not a bad thing that, that it can inspire people to do some real world good too, instead of just, you know, jumping because you can fly because wave your hand reason why, like, like that inspires people. Yeah. Well, you and I went, we're in the same class at the uh, master's class for hand waving university. So, you know, but I, I do oh, yeah. like the superheroes that that encourage you to do well in a way that can translate literally because they're human just like you. Yeah. yeah. Well, even to, a, even to a point, I like Superman because he doesn't necessarily rely on his power to win the day. It, if he needs to outthink an opponent, he does. And he has the power to go to get somebody like Doomsday. But he doesn't just blindly just throw a punch when he can. I would think his opponent if he needs to. Yeah, he's a tactician. Yeah. yeah. He's the tactician in the DCU. Yeah. All right. Well, shit. We're supposed to be partying here in Gotham City because today's – Yeah, yeah. Well, we, got, we got one more question because this was not a, a religion question the last time we was on, so you're not ready for this one. But because oh, yeah. we are not – well, because Stabby is not a knuckle-dragging troglodyte like the rest of us, Coffee or tea, and how do you take it? She's she's a lady, gosh dang it. She's a fine lady. So coffee or tea, evil ginger? I like coffee. How do you drink your coffee? Black uh, like your soul? No, no. A, a little little creamer. A little okay. flavor creamer, that's it. So we actually had a, we won't say who yet, but we had a, a coffee company pick us up to sponsor us. So we have ordered samples because we don't want to shill it if it's not actually good. So that's, that's, that's a valid concern. So we, we ordered some samples, but Stabby got really excited by the blueberry coffee flavor thing they had going on. She was like, oh, I'm trying that one because we, we coordinated what we ordered. Uh, yeah. so, we didn't, like, so we didn't all order the same thing so we could just try it. Hey, at least it's not pumpkin spice. They oh, had I that you'd be all about that, evil ginger. I'm not a basic white girl. I am a basic white girl, so I like me some pumpkin spice. But <laughs> when I was driving by, when I was driving by Wendy's and I saw a pumpkin spice uh, frosty, I was just like, no, not only no, but hell's no. The only way to drink a frosty or eat it, whatever you consider it, is the chocolate version. Even vanilla is yeah. not a valid frosty. No, Ooh, it's purple, no. Right, I, I, I hate uh, Starbucks just because it's like basic. To me, basic bitch coffee. Yeah. Ish. Basic ish coffee. Yes. For Han Solo season. I love when Jared puts on his his leggings and his Ugg boots and he puts his vest on. 
He's out there on a, <laughs> a fall day and the leaves are coming down. Or they yeah, don't forget colors. the, the earmuffs. He's, he's, got his, he's got his Starbucks going on. He just sips it like a child. Just Well, yeah, uh, uh, Jimmy, my, my missus has gotten me spoiled on coffee. So I just, I don't even bother. Then she threatens to hurt me whenever I go out and buy coffee. So I usually don't even bother anymore. She she actually has a a cold brew that she makes. Oh, fucking delicious! Oh my god. Okay. So, so when I was looking at this at the flavors on this coffee site, they have like um, the bourbon brew, and they oh. had you know the pumpkin pie spice. They but then they had one called spiked jack o' lantern, and it has bourbon flavors in. The pumpkin okay. flavors, but they that blueberry crumble. Yeah, they also had a, a bourbon flavored. Um, and I was Nick when we told him, he's like, Why not just add real bourbon like a man? Yeah, I've got yeah, whiskey man. on top of my fridge. Yeah, <laughs> all right, so we've answered the religion question. Now, let's talk about what's what brought us here. So, we're just doing an impromptu uh episode. Uh, and Nick wanted something that could get his evil ginger friends involved in the party because, you know, we're out for stealing souls. Uh, and I can say that because my mom is an evil ginger. Uh, so with that being said, yeah, that's a good thing she doesn't listen to these episodes. Uh, so that being said, obviously we're here, if you read the title, to talk about Batman. So we're going to go round Robin real quick. And how, like, what was your first, like, where did you find Batman for first time? And if you want me to go first, because I know my answer, I can. Yeah, go ahead, because I'm, I'm thinking so, about mine. My grandfather used to watch all the old shows, Grandpa Hanley, and so we would sit around. And so he liked the original OG Batman. Let me throw that up there for you, dear listener. For you youngins who don't know, like that OG Batman, where it was like the when you punch, it'd be like the sis, boom, whatever, on top of the head and all that. Cool uh, it wasn't these ones, though. Is This is an ant. I just grabbed um, No, you're, you're <laughs> short about 20 years. So I was limited to what was uh, in the Creative Commons for art, so we did not get the uh, the violation with oh. the images. Yeah, well, that's good. I, I hate it when they shut us down. So that's a pretty cool modern interpretation. Of I like that. it. The DC thing. That, my boy drew that one. Oh, you know who drew that? Good old Jim Lee. Jim Lee drew okay. that. Yeah. The Legos are always cool. The Lego um, versions of the things. I'm, I'm here for Legos. Was, there you go. That's like the one of my favorites has always been Kelly Jones. I his style is to me so unique. I something about how awkward it is. I don't know, but I I love Kelly Jones artwork. Yeah, that's pretty impressive stuff. I've got an entire Kelly Jones section of of my collection. <laughs> okay. So all right. So how did everyone else first get introduced to the wild world of Gotham City? I'm gonna say either, I'm gonna say either the TV show that you're talking about. I saw it in reruns as a kid, or yep, Nick at Night, uh, the Batman movie, the first one. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, I was what twelve or so, so I was at the perfect age to see Batman on on TV, or yeah, or in the theater. Was that the one with Michael? Was it Michael Keaton in that one? Yeah. Yeah. Not Sparkle Boy. Not Sparkle Boy. I don't Boy. know. He, he was a good Batman. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. You haven't seen it? 
I don't like him as an actor, so I don't watch anything else. Well, I, it's it's worth a shot. So if you're bored and you've ran out of stuff to watch, and if you like, it depends on the type of Batman you like. I think um, if you like the detective, then this Batman's right up your alley. If you want mm-hmm. the action hero, then it's probably not so much, even though there is pretty decent action in there. Well, to me, he's the same character in every movie, and plus, he's he's not built to be Batman. Batman is like is a big dude. He's got height because I think he's actor is like six foot one, so the height's yeah, kind of negligible. Six one, six two, yeah. Yeah, but he's he's about as skinny as I am, so he he's not built to be Batman. Yeah. Well, um, it's supposed to be like a Batman Year One, so I mean, if you take that into account, I don't know. Man, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to force anybody else to go watch it because I know yeah. when people hype on me, hey, you got to see this movie; it's the greatest thing ever. I'm not going to overhype it. Um, it's enjoyable. Um, There's a lot of good performances from the supporting cast that I really enjoyed. Um, different take on the Riddler is like a serial killer type guy. See, I thought that was a lazy design too for for the Riddler. Just, yeah, just the trailers I saw. To, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. They tried to ground it in a reality, you know, closer to ours instead of you know going uh, full Jim Carrey. What? Well, see, I can see that too. But I, it was it Carlos Danda, I think he had designed a like a rockabilly type design for the Riddler, and that's that always been neat. my favorite. So something like that, I mean, he had fairly realistic clothes. They were stylized, but I liked his take on the Riddler more than a lot of the other ones. But that one in that movie, just from what I saw in the trailers, I'm like, ah, I don't know about all that. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you all, and I'll bore you all on how I fell into the lore of Batman. Um, I was familiar with the Adam West series. Yep. And, and I used to watch that quite a, on Nick at Night, Nickelodeon. Um, then I started getting into like back issues, like from the seventies of Batman. So, um, that's Neil Adams. It's all his work. And I was like, oh man, this is really cool stuff, you know, cause I was fascinated by the artwork and then Batman 89 came out with Keaton. And I was like, cause when that, like I was following it through, uh, I don't know if it was wizard magazine or comic zine or one of those publications from like the, the mid to late eighties. But uh, they're like, oh, man, this Batman movie's ruined. They hired Mr. Mom to be Batman. And then you got, <laughs> you know, Jack Nicholson to be the Joker. I just don't see it. And I was like, oh, man, this movie's going to suck. And then I, I went there opening night. I went to the midnight showing. Me and my friend James Clark, we rode our bikes uh, from one side of town to the other because it's Modesto, California, you know, home of American Graffiti and George Lucas got well, at the time, it was very Mayberry, small town vibes. And you could ride your bike from one side of the town to the other without worrying about getting kidnapped or whatever. And I sat there and we waited in line for like an hour and a half. Finally got in and then just the opening sequence. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> so. Nicholson is wasn't built for the part, but the way he's acting, though, I think made up for the difference. Yeah, he was more of a uh, high-calorie joker, as I like to call him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy likes to eat, and he's a mob boss, so why wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, I liked him better than the uh, the Batman that was in like Super Friends and stuff, too. I grew up watching Super Friends. Oh, so yeah, between, I did, too. So between him and like the, the cheesy Batman TV show, that may have been like some of my earliest uh, memories of the character. 
whatever comic books I happen to read. And but yeah, I think the first Batman movie was my first, I think, real exposure to the character. Yeah. Stabby, how did you uh, get introduced to the Cape Crusade? I don't know. No, it's not. <laughs> so, um, actually, my grandpa introduced me to Keaton as Batman in 1989. I was two years old, and he realized when I was very, very young that I was not the typical girly girl. I did not want Barbies. I did not <laughs> want dollies. I wanted G.I. Joes and Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. So he introduced me to Keaton as Batman. And I absolutely fell in love with Batman. So when Batman Returns came out in 1992, growing up in Vegas, we get amazing things every now and then. And they had the Batmobile and Keaton as Batman at the Excalibur. My grandmother just happened to work at the Excalibur. So there is a picture of me crying the happy tears that don't look happy in the picture, but <laughs> happy tears next to the Batmobile. And just out of frame, I was the next in line to meet Keaton as Batman. And I was five years old. So awesome. <laughs> um, Batman's always been kind of my my go-to superhero. And then, of course, you know, my mom and my grandma didn't want me to be that little tomboy. They wanted me to be a girly girl, bought me the Barbies. So I would steal my brother's comic books when he wasn't looking so I could read the Batman comics every time he got them. But Oh, wow. But uh, we recently saw the new Batman movie, and I was like, oh, my God okay and then we saw the flash and i was like oh my god that's my guy and then at the very end i was like oh nipples because george clooney <laughs> i didn't think george clooney was a bad batman he i think he was no, a better his bruce wayne was just, i think he just had a shit script his, uh, yeah his, uh, the the nipples on the armor too never made sense either Nipples. Yeah. That's the first word out of my mouth. Nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Nipples. I mean, if, if, yeah, we're going, if, yeah. if we're going purely by by build, I think Affleck had the best overall look for the characters. I thought he played both char- both aspects of Batman well. But yeah, some people are just they can't seem to handle that. So like whatever. I also dude. like Christian Bale. As Batman, I think he played a yeah. very rugged, beat up Batman. I, I really yeah. dug him as Batman too. Um, if we're going detective Batman, um, Pattinson, um, I, I like him as detective. We're losing John already. Batman, but uh, he, was, he was he was so scrawny. He is. He was so he, he scrawny. He's not a built individual. He's as skinny as I am. So All right, I'm so let's let's for those who aren't as huge into lore, because like Nick and you are comic book nerds, because that's kind of your your side hustle or your full time job, depending. Um, so, what is an ideal Batman for you? Take out the actors that have played him. Describe an ideal Batman. Aside from obviously he's he's rich, because that's in the canon. Got to be smart. 
I think he has to definitely be physically fit because he's doing all that. Yeah. You know, the way he's doing the crime fighting, but I could see agile in in uh, lit, I don't know how you lit L I T H E like you know svelte I guess that could work if if he's got the fighting style that enhances speed. But I also see you know some of the the comics in some of the movies he's like going toe to toe, in which case he kind of needs to be a bruiser. Yeah. That's one thing I've always liked about Batman because he he's fought people like Deathstroke who is essentially an, an evil Captain America. He He's a super soldier, so he's got augmented strength and everything that goes along with that, reflexes and all that stuff. He's smarter than your average opponent. Batman is completely human, but yet he has to com- compete with people like Deathstroke, as well as people like Killer Croc or Clayface or any of his other myriad of... Uh, villains right um the the thing with batman in my opinion is he's the peak human being he's yes. like he's trained his mind and his body to such a point now he's not a power lifter i mean even though some people draw him like that like he's uh like arnold schwarzenegger and he's not he has more of a uh i've always seen it as like a gymnast build and if you've ever seen a yep. gymnast they are they got size but they're agile and they're flexible yeah you know? they look like they can take a punch. Um, and there's gotta be a level of ferocity there, a little contained madness. I think, um, the portrayals that I've seen of him throughout the years, whether it be animated or not, or live action, um, there's, there's a bit, there's a touch of crazy, just enough to make him want to do this. And just enough to take a hit from someone like Clayface, you know, and just yeah. stand back up and be like, is that all you got? And spit a tooth out. That, you know, that, that's how I see uh, Batman as well. It's like it's more of a gymnast build because whenever I draw him, that's what I'm thinking of. Because like Bane has more of a bodybuilder, an exaggerated bodybuilder type build, but yet Batman, who's probably about as tall as Bane himself, before he grows big and all that stuff. But yeah, he, for the venom. He, yeah, he. But he's got more of a. I've always pictured him. Roughly say six three and like two twenty two thirty somewhere around that neighborhood. So he would have to be uh, ripped, not not ripped, but built well to do that. He's not bulky, but yet his muscle ha- has a purpose, and he's not there just to try to. When he does work out or exercise, whatever, he's not doing it just to look good. He's doing it for for a reason. And I- and I think Batman versus Superman kind of showed his workout perfectly. It was all functional workouts. It was like CrossFit type yeah. stuff. So he's like banging the the tire with the hammer. He's doing squats because legs are very important. He wants that power. Um, so that's kind of how. That's also how I see how I see him. Sorry. Um, as far as like build and workout and how and then nutrition wise, who cares? I mean, he's probably burning like ten thousand calories a night while he's out there. Without so. it. You know, then he's um, we got to think about like his grappling hook, his grappling gun, you know, so he's got to have um, really strong tendons. So he's got to do a lot of workouts that kind of strengthen those tendons in his shoulder area. So he doesn't yeah. rip his arm out of the socket every time he, you know, shoots off into the skyline. That's, that's okay. what she said. Yeah. So are there like obviously technology changes and so the later like the more modern interpretations of Batman have different tech obviously than they gave him in the early days when you know they were limited by the ability to recreate things 
on the show and the creativity of the time. Like, so it was the technology he had was was paralleled very you know when it was drawn. So, are there any iconic things of Batman's tech that have been there the whole time that you like, other than like the Bat Batmobile? The Batwing, I guess. Gun. I mean, that's always been a thing, as far as I can remember. The Batarangs. The Batarangs, that's, yeah, that's his go-to and multi-purpose weapon, too. I've seen him I, using I, it defensively and offensively. The, the grappling hook, in my opinion. Um, yeah. When he first started out in the 30s, it was it was still a grappling hook, but didn't have any power behind it. It was a battering right. that folded in half with a line attached to it. Yeah. Now he's got like different things that go through different materials, you know, because <laughs> through these endless stories, because I think we're over a thousand issues on Batman now. I wouldn't uh, doubt it. Yeah, I remember I, I got the anniversary figure um, and it came with a comic book. Jim Lee did the comic book, he did the cover for it. I don't know if he did the actual comic, but uh, I know for sure he did the cover because I bought it because it was Jim Lee. And uh, yeah, it. Uh, I had a point I was making. I lost it. <laughs> Favorite tech was that? Yeah, the, the tech thing. It's because um, he had we had shown through all these, you know, a thousand issues worth of stories throughout the the decades that um, buildings have been made with different materials since the '30s. You know, it's not just yeah. you know steel girders and concrete anymore. You know, we got some different stuff going on. Um, I'm not even going to try and fucking baffle you with bullshit on that one, on what they're made of, because I don't have that degree. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's he's over years of these stories and different encounters and different situations, he's had to develop, he's had to advance his tech or modify his tech to, because he learns from his mistakes, kind of like Iron Man does. And uh, yeah. he's like, oh man, you know, it would have been great if I had a grappling hook that just punched through solid steel. Oh, okay, well, here's how we're going to do that. And then they use the science to, uh, to kind of, exp they, they do the hand waving, but it's still kind of settled in science, just enough for you to believe it. Um, his text really been awesome. That is a uh, underwater rebreather that doesn't require a full tank and mask or anything. It's one thing I've always loved about him and been frustrated at the same time is how he's always prepared for every situation. It's like all, I, he, I, he, all he might know I, is, Oh no, killer croc is being a dumbass, So he needs to go fight him. Somehow he knows to grab his killer croc equipment. That way he's ready for whatever or, or Mr. Freeze or whoever. I'm like, and it all fits on his belt. <laughs> did you just pull that out of his ass? I mean, where did that come from? Never leave home without it. Because, yeah, you know that uh, that show that uh, Jeff Matsuda did for, for Batman? I've been watching that on uh, Netflix with my seven-year-old, and he's forever pulling out some cool-looking little gadget. Like you're talking about, just the Batarangs. And I'm like, those have been stepped up a lot with the, the design purpose and that Batmobile might be my favorite because it looks like probably one of the coolest looking Hot Wheels I've ever seen. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty cool looking. So we've talked a little bit about like some of the tech. Do you guys have a favorite villain from the franchise? Ooh. Joker. I like Mr. Freeze because they made his uh, origin story so believable. I think it's probably one of the best written villains I've seen. I do love Mr. Freeze. I love his backstory. I love he, why he's doing everything. Penguin was always fun. I mean, come on, how can you not love Danny DeVito as Penguin? <laughs> but I, I always go back to the Joker because 
he says it himself in Batman the Animated Series, and I believe in one of the movies, I can't remember which one right now, but he says, we can't live without each other. How many times did he have Batman tied up and he never tries to take his mask off? He never tries to figure out who he is. Yeah. Because he says it right then and there. He's like, I would never take off his mask, Harley. I wouldn't do it because we can't live without each other. And it, it's that moment that you're sitting there and you're like, that's true. They, they never actually try to kill each other. They never, he never tries to unmask Batman because that's like his other half. I've never understood that about Batman. As much as Joker infuriates the ever-loving shit out of him, how is he not just said, screw it and uh, try to kill Joker? No kill rule. He's he's got that no kill rule and he um I think the other part is is I think if he lost Joker, he would be lost. Like he could get rid of absolutely everybody else, anybody else, and he'd be perfectly fine. He'd be perfectly fine. Scarecrow who, you know? But I think without Joker, he'd be sitting there in the Batcave just like what are we gonna do tonight, Alfred? So, has the Batcave always been there? As far as I yeah. know. Yeah, since the... Uh, hold on, let me get the exact I would date. say the very beginning, but I would say... I was in the first three issues. Yeah, 1938 was the first okay. appearance of the Batcave. Um, I mean, who, who didn't watch the original series and not want the, the phone that, like, opens the wall and you could just slide down the fireman's pole into your secret? Oh, the, it was a Shakespeare's head. It was a, it was a bust of Shakespeare, and you yeah, lift the head up. A open, uh, the, all I remember was him sliding down the pole and thinking, I definitely want somewhere where I can have a mountain like underneath me so I can have a cave. And how cool is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be super awesome. Now, was his parents always dead? Was that always the origin story, or did that come later? As far that as I know. The origin story. That was always the origin story. Um, they touched on a little bit uh, in the very first issue. Um, and they elaborated just a tad more because it was the thirties. It was, um, comic books. It was throwaway entertainment back then. Yeah. You know? Um, so well, they didn't get really too involved. It wasn't, I think it wasn't until after it was when Neil Adams run. So we're talking about the seventies when Batman was trying to uh, get away from the camp of the television show and make it more dark and brooding. Uh, they started really going into that, into the death of his family and how it molded him and drove him to uh instead of going to therapy like anybody else would he says i'm just going to beat the hell out of criminals well that was his therapy well yeah it's like going to the gym or yeah you know eating ice cream but uh (laughs) well speaking of eating ice cream and uh being happy we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man and it is a man this time it's a man baby
I know that, dude. Us, Nick, but uh, we really got to get you to remake the commercial that works for the audio only. It was a lot of pretty pictures from his own comic books, dear listener. Over I got to do a, yeah, a voiceover of that. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, clever product placement, I just happened to be wearing my Batman shirt. Oh, okay, nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> got some wearing it, too, man. You got the distress logo going. I dig it. The Batman. Yeah, that, that's what made me think of that show that uh, I was showing my daughter. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like the Joker in that one, too, because they had, like, these, like, green dreads. And he was, like, super crazy. And he was wearing a straight that, jacket the whole she, time. She doesn't like that because of that. It, because it's not the, the, not the regular Joker. I'm like, eh. I wasn't a huge fan of Tattoo Joker. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a fan chili. of Leto either. But oh, he was horrible. Yeah, the whole hand thing. I, I never, I never got that. No, it was, it was lame. It's probably because the the explanation was that Batman had broken his dang teeth, and he still wanted that that smile, so he put it on his hand, so he'd be. It, they were trying too hard. And I, I've always been a big Suicide Squad fan, but I did not like the, that Joker. Second one was good. Uh, I, like James the, Gunn one. I, I love Harley. I know you do. I love Harley. How can you not? I hated that, Birds of Prey. Oh, my God. That was yeah, a horrible no, movie. I, I, like they, they took the name and just did whatever the hell they wanted with it. Yeah, it was bad. Now we've been watching the old early two thousand series Birds of Prey. Yes, I knew it was a thing, but I never it lasted saw it. one season. It lasted one season, and it was it was pretty good. They they took some creative license with uh, uh, with a lot of things. Well, they had yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he had Oracle in it. And that was cool. But, um, and then they have a uh, and um, I wasn't too fond of, uh, what's her name, Huntress? Oh, yeah. Huntress was gar- garbage in that show. I mean, she was cool, but, like, her backstory was just horrible. I did but like the one, uh, the one they had in Green Arrow. That was a fairly accurate. Uh, yeah. Huntress. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I think that was a fair representation of what she's like in the comics of, yeah. uh, you know. The, the crime boss daughter that decides to just become a vigilante and fight yeah. her father. So since you guys are both comic book creators, uh, I try to make creators. it sound easy. Creators. Would you, uh, if they offered you and said, Hey, come draw this Batman, you can write a Batman story. Would you do it? See that? That's, I'd go a, tough draw, yeah. that's a tough question. As much as I would love to do it, I would also hate it because I know they wouldn't pay me legitimately and I wouldn't own anything I did. So they would fuck me over with the contracts and stuff like that, too. So okay. it's like I... And plus, I'm afraid that because I have a unique style that doesn't look like what they're doing, that right there would be a reason why I don't think they'd ever hire me. Not that I'm uh, some magnificent artist. I know I'm not, but... Does, my work looks nothing like any of their house styles. To me, a lot of what they're doing now is just plain boring. And I, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't even read most Marvel and DC stuff anymore. Yeah. I think the last good Batman um, story arc they had was the court of owls. That was pretty and, good. And you had an awesome art team on there. You had an awesome, I mean, you had Scott Snyder 
writing it, and then you had Greg Capullo drawing it. Yeah. And... Well, anything Greg Capullo does, I'm automatically a fan. Well, yeah, he's he's a he's the right hand man of Todd McFarlane for years yeah. um, on Spawn. So anybody that can pull a Spawn book can definitely pull a Batman book. Spawn's hard to draw. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as he is, he's hard to draw. Oh, he is. I've I've done it a few times and. I only do it now if somebody pays me. <laughs> yeah. And that that's usually in the hunters before I even attempt to spawn. So Yeah. Because it's going to eat up. So just the chains alone is going to eat up at least 12 hours of my time. But at, at the same time, though, because of what little experience I do have in the field, I don't even really do fan art that much anymore. Because it's just like, well, why, why bother? If someone pays me to do uh, commission me to draw Batman Spawn or whatever, that's one thing. But as far as doing it on my free time in my sketchbook, I, I just I don't even I don't even do it anymore. I mean, I mean at least because I don't have time. But I just I don't know. I just don't even see the point in doing it anymore when I could be drawing something of my own. I encourage Nick. He still likes to he likes to draw his favorite comic books. I'm like Nick, draw stuff you can sell. Stabby yeah. needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> she does. She just sent me links to like three of them on OfferUp. <laughs> the high tops is it? Is you, the you think of the high tops? So yeah, the Vans. Vans. She's a Vans fanatic, so she doesn't have a pink set. I guess. I don't have a pink set. So I used to be like that yeah. with Chuck Taylors. I had at least three or four different pair, depending on what colors I, I wanted for that outfit. I, I finally outgrew that phase. Because it got too expensive. Um, it, it's a fairly simple shoe. There's nothing to it. I shouldn't have to pay more than 50 bucks for a pair You're of Chuck Taylors. I have about 50 pairs of Chuck Taylors. <laughs> <laughs> I had those before I met him. I even got my uh, my oldest daughter when she was a toddler. I got her Chuck Taylors as well. When As she was learning how to walk, she had pink ones, purple ones, and got to be damn rainbow and uh before she finally outgrew all i actually wore a pair of red sparkly click your hills dorothy converse for our wedding awesome so with the um since we've talked about batman you can't have well some people don't think you could have batman without robin so when did that come into the picture was he always there and what do you think of him as I a side he was an early early uh sidekick in the series i don't know exactly when. issue two or three yeah is right. issue three is when joker showed up yeah i do like the almost family aspect of robin because in inevitably whoever he chooses to take on that mantle does become family of of sorts even jason todd i thought that was good storytelling because no one expected at the time that you were going to kill Batman's sidekick. Yeah. And not only that, I, I called in and voted. The most brutal way possible. With a crowbar. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> in the library. Okay. So before that, um, they had a, a one, it was a 1 900 number to call in and vote whether Robin lives or dies because they left I it on. I vaguely a remember that. I never called it in. Now, this is the first time I got my ass whooped by my parents for calling a 1 900 number. <laughs> Mine was for He-Man. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, still better. Yeah. So I called up and I was like, "Kill him! Uh. <laughs> Kill him!" 
really like, um, what's his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, See, I was yeah. interested in that storyline too. How they ended that yeah. movie? Oh my, okay. Yeah. He he like, he could fit the he could fit the part. Oh yeah, and then he'd be an, he know, would be an awesome true Robin. They just slowly kind of drip fed you him until the very end, and they and then he's like, "Well, this is my whole name," and you're like, "Yeah." That was probably the weakest name drop in cinematic history, though. It, it, it was they they could have done it more like his actual origin, but I didn't mind how they did it. Normally I'm a stickler for stuff like that. If you're going to make a movie off of a known franchise, you need to make it as close to what made it so popular in the first place. If you're going to carry it over to a different, uh, medium. They, they could have made him like officer gray. Yeah. And then at the end revealed that his name was Richard Grayson. Yeah. You know, there's so many other way avenues of, um, artistic expression they could have done with that without and not being it on the nose and not being so vague that the common movie viewers like Robin, what do you do? What is that? Well, mean? I didn't even mind uh, uh, Chris O'Donnell's take on the character. No, he was good. He's really tall though. Really tall for a Robin and really old for a Robin. Well, Robin was like what? 13, 14, something like that. When I guess he, yeah, he was a first young became. teenager. Yeah. So outside of that, I thought that his, his take on the character wasn't too terrible. Well, there was a time where Marlon Wayans was going to play Robin. Oh, I'm glad that never happened. You also happened. have to, if you're going to talk about Robin, you have, <laughs> you have to remember Robin in the Batman Lego movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like, I can't wear these pants. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you still here? Because you're my dad. <laughs> oh, man. The Lego Batman. You guys are having way too much fun. I don't know if DC is going to allow this. They might have to um, do like some well, sort of strike. We're probably, get hired. Guys. we'll probably get hired as like Batman historians or something. So what do you think of the um, some of the offshoots where they didn't kill Robin and he sort of does his own thing, like uh, Teen Titans that became the Titans TV show on HBO, which is very dark and gritty, which I liked. Oh, yeah, with Dick Grayson. I, I love yeah. Titans. I love I, it took me a while to, get, to, to watch that Titans show because I saw all the, the previews and, and then me being a stickler for detail the way I am. At first, I was like, oh, hell no. And I finally was like, okay, let me try it out. I, I like the series for the most part. And it's got its 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 problems, but overall, I I found it entertaining, and I'm glad that I tried to show out. Yeah, um, it was a little slow going that that pilot episode, that first one, and then when he shows up in costume and lands on the car, and they're like, "Oh, Batman ain't with you tonight." And he's like, "F Batman." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, all right." Uh, I'm like, that's a little off, but I can see it. We've placed this in the super gritty real world. He's tired of being a sidekick. He wants to be his own hero. Well, yeah, that was a, originally why he moved to Bloodhaven. Because yeah, he wanted to be his own person. I thought that was yeah. good uh, Good characterization and storytelling. Showing the characters trying to develop into their own personality. But uh, the the I remember reading in the 80s when he first became Nightwing that was I thought that was some good good stuff yeah so what did you think of the 
change because originally it wasn't that the cops were corrupt as Cotham got darker. It was just that Batman was there to sort of pick up the slack with this super special kind of crooks. What do you think of the evolution where the cops became almost as much a part of the problem as the villains in Gotham? That happened. Um, that started becoming a thing, like the corrupt cop angle. Uh, that was in the during 90s, Neil Adams. Think, right? Well, it started off in, during Neil Adams' run in the seventies. Um, oh, I didn't know. It went back that far. Oh yeah, it, it it went back all the way to the seventies. I think like the mid seventies, somewhere around there. Um, where I I don't know. I guess people were getting tired of like the uh, the freak of the week, as kind of like where, where that term comes from is. But there was some new, you know, larger-than-life villain that was showing up, you know. So they really wanted to focus more on the detective side of things. And then they brought in the uh, the corrupt the corruption of the cops because the mafia was kind of like the main villain during that era. You know, that's where you start getting into, like, Falcone and... Uh, uh, I did enjoy the uh, the long how or was it the long Halloween or whatever it was? I can't remember. Yeah, the long Halloween. Right uh, I've always I've enjoyed all of the DC animated movies, but that one I think was one of the better ones because while it had the rare obscure characters that I enjoy, it mainly like Calendar Man. Yeah, it mainly focused on uh, the street level opponents that Batman had to take on instead of just saying, "Oh, look, he's." fighting another supervillain. Well, and that's what I liked about the, the Pattinson movie is that it's, it's very close to the long Halloween. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all, it's just missing calendar, man, but I would still like to see him on screen. Uh, even though he's not a very, like, he's not a very villain. effective, uh, person at all, but I, I, this one thing I enjoy about Batman Besides the visual aspect of his, his rogues gallery, that right there would be enough for me to want to draw a Batman book. That way, I because I remember David Finch did some uh, of his later stuff he did on Batman, and I was looking at it just to see how he would draw all these other random uh, Batman villains because they so many different shapes and sizes that it, it would oh, be a nightmare, no. but it'd be fun challenge at the same time the way he drew clayface was pure nightmare fuel oh yeah who's probably probably one of my favorite villains um just aesthetically and what he can do i also i'm a big fan of scarecrow yeah his finch's scarecrow is one of my favorites yeah and i liked Um, how uh what was it uh was it uh murphy how he he I've got an early uh, was it Gordon? Oh hell, I can't remember. Was it Gordon Murphy or whatever? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I've got his books over. Sean Murphy, God bless Sean Gordon Murphy. I've got some of his early Batman stuff he did, where he did a uh, uh, Scarecrow book. It was only like two or three issues, I believe it was, but it yeah, it was a sh- it, short arc. It wasn't as detailed as Finch's, but it was a unique style that I I still enjoy. So uh, Scarecrow would be a fun challenge just because he's so emaciated. It would be a more of a, a challenge to draw him than it would like Bane or Killer Croc and stuff like that because they're so much bigger. Yeah. Wasn't it um, 
Cillian Murphy? Cillian Murphy Cillian played Scarecrow Murphy. in the. Uh, eh. I, mean, I don't like him. Really, he was like built. Him. He's built for the role. He he has the right look for it. That mask was shit to me, but. I thought the coolest he looked was when he was riding the horse in the straight jacket in Batman Begins. That would have freaked like, anybody out. I'm like, that's Scarecrow right there. And yeah. then when you get the Dark Knight, he's wearing a suit, you know, buyer beware, you know. And then he was the judge in Dark uh, Dark Knight Rises yeah, of the kangaroo yeah. court. Maybe I was thinking of, I may have been thinking of one of the uh, Green Arrow villains that had a cheesy brother blood or something like that. Yeah, they they did some cheesy stuff with Arrow because the way they did Arrow was just they wanted to do Batman, but they didn't want to do Batman. He's never been a vigilante, but I did enjoy that series overall. But yeah, he they they made him scarily like Batman instead of being his own character. Started on Arrow. So I think the best representation of Green Arrow. I'm sorry. Since you mentioned that, that's what got me started on the, the WB shows. Since you mentioned Green Arrow, do you have a favorite franchise crossover that Batman has done? Spawn and Daredevil. The one he did with Daredevil is pretty good too. The Swarm with Spawn, I've I've still got that from when I was a kid, so that was pretty great. Just because of the artists that were involved, but uh. Um, I don't know. For me, it's always I've always been into it more with the uh, the artists that drew it over uh, like particular storylines. Because for me, it comics has always been a, a visual medium. If the writing is just as good, then that's a perk for me. But for me, it doesn't matter how well it's written. If the art is garbage, I I won't buy it. Yeah, I'm the same. So do you prefer it in comic form or because there have been some actual novelizations and obviously they've got the movies. Yeah. I, uh, I've got, I've got a book, uh, uh, a, no- a novel that, uh, cause we did a lot of road trips as kids or when I was a kid and some truck stop, I, I, we stopped at, I found a, a paperback novel of Batman that I've got up here. Oh, wow. Nice. nice. The, the spine is ruined. That's how long I've had it and how many times I've read it. But I have enjoyed it. it. I'll never get rid of it. It's got it's like an anthology book. Several different uh, writers wrote in it. But yeah, I'll never get rid of this book. But here's here's a list of some of the the writers. Hold on, let me see if I can. You know, I had to remember how to get it to solo layout. There we go. There we go. Oh, there we go. So it's Isaac Asimov, Greg Alec, Alec Effergan, Howard Goldsmith, Karen Harbour, and Robert Silverberg, Stuart Karniski, William F. Nolan, Robert Schlecki, Max Allen Collins, Ed Gorman, Edward D. Hawk, Joe Lancelot. I didn't know he did that. Mike Resnick didn't know he did either. Henry Sleazar and Edward Whelan. So if you're listening at home, that's who's on the cover. Or the back of the book. Yeah. That was probably some of the earliest Isaac Asimov work that I've ever read. I mean, I know he's not known for doing Batman at all, but uh, still, it's probably still one of my favorite books. So I'm a, I'm a sucker for any, you know, superhero spinoff. I'll, I will give it my all 
to watch it and to to not judge it off the bat like that's always been my thing i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go in here with no expectations and i'm just gonna see if i like it and with green arrow i really did like it for the first couple seasons until it became the felicity show yeah and then <laughs> the, the last couple of seasons i agree it got kind of silly they did the same thing with the flash like mm. i absolutely loved the first season even the second season of flash and then when he married her and um, and got her pregnant, and she goes, "We are the Flash." Well, I'm like, he's no, world's fastest not. man. Yeah, I'm like you. No, we are not the Flash. He is the Flash. Barry Allen is the Flash. Yeah. You're his chick. Like that would be like me saying, "Hey, babe, we are the Apogee creators." No, no, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. You exactly. <laughs> and that's, I, I read the I read the scripts. I give my my you know two cents, but I will never claim his art as mine. And it would be the same thing. So we are the Flash. I'm like, no, no, we're not. And that's when I stopped watching the Flash. Same thing with Green Arrow. When it became Felicity, 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 I stopped watching. Yeah, they started doing all the Crisis crossover stuff i was like man this is getting hard to watch because uh i i finished begrudgingly finished green arrow i tried watching flash but i never could really get into it uh uh, but uh like supergirl i never really watched anything and then anything after that i just didn't have time for whatever reason and i'm like well whatever man i love those kind of shows that kind of give you a different perspective. It's not just Batman. It's not just Superman. You're getting the other people. Yeah. But then when they make it all centered around their significant other, that was always my issue. I'm like, look, stories here and there, but it's all you need. Yeah. Um, Like it's, it doesn't need to be centered around her. It doesn't. I I liked uh, Kevin Smith's take on green arrow. So that's initially what got my attention with the TV shows. Like, hey, okay, I enjoyed this series. So let me see what they did with him on the TV. And then uh, the first couple seasons, I was like, oh, it's good. The Suicide Squad, I thought, was done really well in uh, The Green Arrow. And I was wanting some of them to be in, in the movie before I knew who all was going to be in it. And then I got pretty disappointed when I saw that none, none of them from the show, we're going to be in the movie, but whatever. I liked Suicide Squad 2 because I think in that one they really let you see Harley's mental illnesses. Yeah. Like, they really let you see it. Yeah. Like, she's a little skipped up. A little? <laughs> Because that's what was missing in my life. The in, the inside of a crazy woman. She shoots a gun and flowers shoot out of it because that's what she's seeing. I'm like, no, I know she's crazy. Or like, you know, she's getting punched in the face and she's singing and then she just breaks his neck. It's like the uh, the Birds of Prey movie. That the only part I really liked is like the first five minutes when she was talking about her relationship with Joker and how she finally had enough and decided to walk out. After that, it just turned into, I don't know what. I think the only scene in that yeah, one. Yeah, then she goes running right into black mask. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'm like. Eh. 
the one Days of Our Lives, the Batman edition. <laughs> yeah, right? It's exactly how it is, too. In Birds of Prey, the scene that was my favorite, the one that I was like, that could have been ripped right out of the comic book, was her in the apartment with her hyenas. Yeah. And I was like, that that makes total sense. That's That's Harley. That's completely Harley. And then there's the big explosion. Her head is a bag of cats. You can smell crazy on her. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point. But yeah, I've just I've always had this thing about me that if you're going to make a movie of a, of a known franchise, you should work on what made it so pop. Focus on what made it so popular, or popular enough to make a movie out of. People will go and watch the movie, and then they'll tell their friends that aren't comic book fans, "Hey, you need to watch this movie. It, it was great." So much of what they do now, it's like they just take the name and do whatever the hell they want with it. And yeah. then the, the only thing they seem to contribute to it is pandering. Because yeah. it, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, the comic was, like for the longest time, it was Huntress, Oracle, and yeah. uh, Black Canary. Yeah, there for and... a little while, Harley was on the team, or at least adjacent to it. It's like, all right, no big deal. But that movie, all they did was take the name and they did what they wanted with it. None of the other characters were the least bit identifiable. Put some of them in the suit. That would help. Yeah. So, we've drifted from Batman. Now we're in Batman adjacent. <laughs> so, let's get, let's get back on track. So, we labeled the episode Partying in Gotham City uh, with the Batman franchises. So, you don't have Batman without Gotham City. So, what are your takes on the city itself? Is there was it based on Chicago? I seem to remember reading that somewhere along the line. I, uh, I want to say New maybe, York, Chicago. I, I think I've always looked at Metropolis as more New York. So I was thinking that Jersey, Jersey oh. or Chicago, something like that. Because depending on what kind of book you're reading, it's like across the bay from from Metropolis or something. Yeah. So I I've always pictured it as like a Jersey or Chicago type city. I'd probably say more Chicago because of the just like the amount of organized crime, the mobster. You know, I'm not saying that New York didn't have that during that time, but it seems like Chicago really that was kind of like what they were known for that deep dish yeah. pizza. <laughs> you know, so uh, I would say Gotham is probably more Chicago than it is either New York or something across the bay. Um, it's like they took Chicago and moved it to Jersey. So, I did some research. Which I've done in my comic books. I took Modesto, California and moved it to the Bay Area. So. I did, I did. Oh, sorry. I you need to do That's it. okay. I'll there. unmute myself. I did some research and um, so Metropolis was based straight off of New York City. Their their um, buildings and everything uh, reflect New York City. But Gotham City is based off of a mixture of New York City and Chicago, and um, and a village in England near Nottingham. So those three together created Gotham City. In 1941. It's probably where they got the, the gothic influences. So that that was their their 
three cities that they put together to create Gotham, but Metropolis was based strictly off of New York. Because I do the researches. <laughs> that is cool. I mean, I didn't realize. I just generically assumed that it was like Chicago or New York just because the corruption and it's, you know, it seems to be set in America. So, um, and then I, you have to almost, but you almost have to go like certain parts because of the mountain angle with the bat cave. Like you almost need certain, like you couldn't do in uh Eastern coast of Virginia in the Hampton Road area. You couldn't do that because you did that deep, you're getting water. So, I mean, unless it's Aquaman, you're not getting a bat cave. So yeah. they said that there is actually a Gotham in a Gotham village in England that was near Nottingham. And apparently the people there were all very, very foolish. Like they did weird things um, for the time. But that became part of uh, Gotham City. They took that stuff and then mixed it with New York and Chicago and view of Gotham City. There is a Gotham, New York, but they pronounce it Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> goat ham is what I heard, because, you know, why goat not? Ham. Who doesn't like ham and goat? Goat, yeah. goat cheese. Goat cheese ham sandwich. Come on. There you go. There you go. See, you're thinking you're cooking with so Crisco. Salty, so salty. Oh, yeah. Cooking with goat cheese, buddy. I'm making you routine tomorrow. Yeah, Ugh, that shift's gross. Do you think Batman could exist outside of Gotham City? Could he work anywhere else? Metropolis. I don't know because the the Gotham is almost like a character itself. I think so too. It's definitely a character within I, the franchise. I don't know that it would be as interest. I've never been as interested in Batman when he's outside mm. of Gotham. I know occasionally he has to chase down some villain. In China or like wherever, Central or like City. When he fought uh, Rachel Ghoul, he had to go to the Middle East or whatever. Stuff like that's okay to change things up, but I think that at this point, Gotham has gotten to be its own character. No, I agree. You're absolutely right. Um, especially over the last three decades in Batman stories, where they've really gone into the lore of what makes Gotham Gotham, how it was founded, um, like the Court of Owls, really dug deep into that. That's one of the things I liked about the Court of Owls. It wasn't just some obscure group. They actually went into backstory and found a way to tie it into the, the lore of, of uh, Batman. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, The Fog by uh, John Carpenter, you know, where you had like yeah. these uh, founding fathers and the sins of the father got passed down throughout the generations. Um, so there's a bit of that going on. Um, Gotham definitely has its unique style with its gothic architecture and the uh, the gargoyles that they, they use. Uh, Jim Lee is really good at using that. Like every time Batman's standing on a building, it's on some like demon looking gargoyle on the side of a yeah, building. There's a very specific type of architecture you need to reference when you're drawing anything in Gotham City. You You have to look at like old world Europe like during the Middle yeah. Ages, maybe the Renaissance. Um, I think that's what made Gothic City so unique is because it is a modern city with this old world European type um, ambiance to it with how they decorate their buildings and their architecture. It, it's pretty cool stuff and it, it's hard to replicate. I think 
I would love to draw a Batman comic book. I think I would fail short in drawing backgrounds. I'd actually fail short in, I could draw Batman all day. I could draw his rogues gallery all day. Yeah. It's the architecture that's involved with the city. I think would give me the most unique challenge as an artist. Oh, definitely. And I'd be willing to take on given the chance, but I don't know, man, it would slow me down a hell of a lot because of all the research I would have to do on yeah. how those buildings are supposed to look. Now, one of the things I did like about Court of Owls, though, is it, it introduced a new villain that I didn't find as interesting since uh, Ezreal came out. I know, the they, I know they had created new villains between the two, but for me, since I never read a lot of Batman exclusively, since I follow artists more than, more than anything, Court of Owls, for me, when they introduced, was it Talon, I believe his name was? The Talons, yeah. I found him just as interesting as I did the original Azrael when Casada uh, drew him. Yeah. And that leads me. All right. Well, he froze. So while he's um, contemplating whatever broke his brain, we are going to uh, <laughs> keep going. What did you do to him? I don't know. Stabbing. <laughs> I stabbed him. No, his computer did a reset on him. So you guys get to just stare at that picture of his pretty little face. <laughs> We're going to um, screenshot that later. Trust me. That is going to be so hilarious. Like, um, I'm talking about the architecture and he froze. Yeah. So, um, Well, I was looking into it. And so basically what they were trying to say is even though um, Central City with the Flash is based off of certain cities in Ohio, they have it just outside of Metropolis and then Metropolis is just outside of Gotham. So it's kind of like the tri-state area up there with like Jersey, New York and Newark is what they were saying. Um, And then they were saying that Metropolis is kind of like the daytime New York where all the tourists go and it's so cool to see all the things. And then Gotham is the nighttime New York where, you know, Son of Sam comes out and stuff like that. Just saying. <laughs> I was. I was. No, I, I, was I always figured it was. It was something like that. They were supposed to be like mirror images of each other. Like this is this is what it is like during the day, and this is what it is like at night. So, okay. So you know, mirror universes. So has I know Spider-Man has gone to so many multiverse dimensions. It's like whenever we're out of ideas, we just pull from a different dimension. Did, did Batman want to do that? No, not that I know of. Not, and, but that's one of the things I like flash. about it. That he's got such a wide variety of, of villains to choose from that he never really... I mean, he, he got involved in, uh, was it the Crisis? Uh, hold on. The old- that, um, the crisis of infinite earths and stuff like that yeah. he gets involved in stuff like that but for the most part he's never necessarily been a dimension hopping person because he's so concerned well like kind of like daredevil he's more concerned with defending his little territory that mm-hmm. it's not that he doesn't care just he's more concerned with where he's at rather than trying to fix everybody else's problems yeah, um, 
I think the only time that you ever see interdimensional travel like that in the universe is when Flash starts messing with things. Yep. Um, they showed it really well in the new Flash movie is he's trying to go back and save his mom and he starts messing with things. And we go from Ben Affleck Batman to Keaton Batman to George Clooney Batman. All because the Flash was messing around. And they even throw in little glimpses of Adam West and... Um, the older ones. The older ones. Like, even, like, the weird hippy-dippy one where they're doing the weird dancing. <laughs> so they... they you guys are going to show... hate me, but I actually kind of liked Val Kilmer as well. I did like Val Kilmer. I always forget about him. I'm horrible. Uh, but, uh, now, when now it Nick comes to, you're not horrible if his computer is working um, look, there is. <laughs> um but when it comes to interdimensional travel and batman i think that's the only way that it ever really happens is yeah. when the flash is messing with things so speaking with uh, messing with things, uh, that's a horrible segue. But anyway, um, so a lot of the times it feels like some of the stuff they write into the comics and put into the movies is purely because, oh, we want Hasbro to make the new toy, right? Like it's purely, it feels like a money grab. So are there any of the accoutrement, the vehicles, whatever, that Batman has that you, you think he could do without and it would still not change anything? For me, it was the boat. Yeah, you get rid of the boat. It always felt like it was just a bad one. The, the Batwing, too. Probably I can see that. Well, no, I like the Batwings. There, there are times where he needed to fly after somebody. Yeah, before that, it was the Batjet. It didn't have the cool name of the Batwing. It didn't look like a symbol. He had the Batjet, and it looked like an SR-71 Blackbird. Um, well, I don't like to keep coming back to this, but it kind of fits the, the question. In the Batman Lego movie... When, um, I don't even count that, really. I mean, it, it's a. I hardly, think we should because it's hilarious. Hardly, it, it, it hardly plays on the Batman tropes. But when Robin comes into the Batcave for the first time, he's like bouncing around. He's like, "Can I drive this Batmobile? Can I drive this Batmobile? Can I fly the Black Pan? Can I do this?" And there was like a Bat Crane. There was like a Bat. Oh, so he can move his giant penny and dinosaur around. I did. I did like even the bat bike, but yeah, I I agree that the uh, the boat. Eh, eh. Yeah, I don't think that was necessary. It, no, it did sell toys. Uh, in yeah, 92 with Batman Returns, and I I'm guilty of it because I owned it. So, but at that age, I was taking showers and not taking baths. So, like, I just felt stupid with an action figure in the shower. I'm like, uh, it's the that heavy rainstorm vehicle now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just it felt like that was extra. I mean, it makes sense in some settings, but it never felt like it fit for Gotham to me. No. Uh, the canals were never that big. Gimmicky. Yeah. Not even sure if gimmicky is even a word, but that's what it seemed like. It, it is now. All, all <laughs> words made up. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? I make up words and misspell them. Yes. Even today, I'm a word maker. So even today, they um like if you buy a Batman costume, it comes with the basics. It comes with your Batman suit. It comes with your cape. It comes with your belt and the cow utility belt. 
and it comes with batteries. So, so let's talk about those costumes. What is the the your favorite Batmo Batman Batmobile? What is your favorite Batman outfit? I I go back to the original. I know it's kind of it seems passe these days, like a little too I don't know, whatever. But I, I like the original look with the that he. Of course, you got to have the right figure to pull that off in public. It's true. Yeah, I mean, and a big wing. Not the stormtrooper, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I um, I actually have pictures of my son in every single Batman costume. Because for the first, like, six years of his life, that's all he wanted to be. So I had him in the gray suit, the gray with the blue, the gray with the yellow, the black and the yellow, the black on black. He had all of the Batman costumes. And they all came with batterings. Yeah. And he has a stepdad that draws comic books and, like, zero interest. That's it's uh, funny how kids, kids do that. They you have all these things you're passionate about, like I can't wait to share this with the kids, and they're like, "Yeah, that's that's just not cool, Dad." Moving on, yeah, yeah. like he's mind huge mind. into GI Joes and comic books, and I'm like, I'm quite literally a GI Joe action figure. I'm yeah. almost, I'm like ninety percent beachhead. We should do know? a GI Joe episode. That would be kind oh, of cool. that'd be awesome. I absolutely love G.I. Joe. It's always been one of my favorite cartoons. I it's, detest the, the movies. It's funny but, you should mention that because uh, G.I. Joe aired yesterday in 1985. I found it on Tubi, and I watched yeah. every episode I could find on there. Yeah, I've, I, I've, I've been watching the, it, too. Uh, that Voltron. Voltron was pretty cool, but G.I. Joe was my go-to. Joe. I liked it more than E-Man and GoBots and Thundercats and all that. G.I. Joe was was my my thing. I can't tell you how many times I almost missed the bus because they would play the syndicated G.I. Joe um, in the morning. So I'd be eating my cereal, getting ready for school, and it was a very narrow margin from the time that episode ended for when the bus showed up in my my neighborhood to go to school. So there was times where I was running because I was just like super into the episode. I, I've, uh, Let me in! I want to go to school. Not really. I've got I've got the uh, the the animated movie that they did with Falcon. Uh, no, Falcon. I think so, but oh, it was Cobra Law. No, no, I I saw that one in theaters. Cobra or GI Joe base in the. I saw that I saw the GI Joe movie in theaters, but I'm talking about the one they had it. Uh, it the animation style looked like the DC style. And a lot of it was with uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes fighting. I can't remember yeah. the specific one right oh. now. But is it, it ended, Sigma? It, yeah, no. Or was it before I've got, that? I've, I've got it in the living room. But I love the animation style. It was more of like a, an adult take on the G.I. Joe franchise. But it was still animated. Yeah. So I was like, I, I love it. But then they had the one, the series a few years ago. It only lasted like two years. Where uh, Zartan was a biker, and then yeah. they had uh, Duke, Tunnel Rat, Roadblock, and like one or two others. I love Chuckles. I thought that one was pretty good too. And then uh, that G.I. Joe movie was one of the few times I've actually been disappointed or genuinely disappointed at the movie theater. I wanted to get out and leave. That's how bad so it was. So, did you know that the the G.I. Joe movies that came out, the um, the ones with Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, yeah. yeah. Those were all 
so yeah. that Hasbro could launch the new G.I. Joe action Toiling. figures, the six-inch ones. Yeah. I wouldn't I was strictly it. for that. They even talked about it at Comic-Con. Well, I still got a couple on my wall, too. I don't know if you guys can see them. Of course you have Leatherneck. I have right, the hold on, hold on, hold on. G.I. Joe base but then, but then, right. in the other room. Having said that. All right, show us the show us the stuff. All right, we got it. We're going show and tell here, people. This is why you grow up so you can afford all the cool stuff. That's because That's right. I, I did this because I was a Marine. And then Rah. I have this guy over here because I'm a I'm a paratrooper too. Marines don't have paratroopers, don't lie. But I've got uh, the, the recon does. I know I'm just messing with you. Yeah, now I, that I you, wasn't, I, I wasn't recon, but uh, I got crazy legs because he was, he was, yeah, he's cool too. Yeah, it's Beachhead. That's me. I, I always like the, uh, the relationship between. Yeah. Uh, Show him again. Yes, sir. Between Leatherneck and uh, Wetsuit. Nice. I that would be a dream project for me to do a GI Joe comic. They used yeah, to be yeah. in the um, the Kindle Open World Universe thing that they did for a while, and you could write yeah. GI Joe books. And then they closed that, which kind of sucks because that would have been I, fun. I I'm not gonna lie, I've actually made GI Joe type characters that I'm trying to figure out how to use because I think they would be that much fun to do. Yeah, the um, the the one thing that always struck me as funny is how you could keep shooting all the time and nobody ever got hit. Yeah, that and the stormtroopers yeah, yeah. were the same way. With lasers, and the and the good guys had red lasers. That was the weird part. Cobra had yeah. blue lasers, and the good guys had red lasers. That's another episode entirely. Yeah, we're definitely doing this episode, and you're coming back, Evil Ginger. All right, so let's wrap this up by bringing it home to uh, to Batman. So, what do you want to see in the future of Batman? Do you think that they should abandon it until they learn to love it first, or is there something you want to see with them doing with with Batman? As much as I like Batman. I think they need to lay off him a little bit because DC has such a wide variety of other characters that they can focus on. Because I, like I said earlier, I, I tend to like the, uh, the less, more obscure characters more. And it seems like all they want to do is just Superman and Batman stories. But yeah, they're, they're great, but come on guys, you have other characters you can use. That's true. Uh, in regards to Batman, yeah, he's probably the most retconned, rebooted, redone, other than Superman. Well, not even Superman's been redone that much. This I mean, was had, the uh, the G.I. Joe one I couldn't remember the name to. Oh, Resolute, yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. It was an anime style. Yeah. I had I had Chuckles. That was one of my favorites just because the, the Hawaiian shirt. And yeah. I had um, Shipwreck as a kid. Those were my two favorites. Well, I was trying to think of like an ideal team, but we can figure that out when we do the G.I. Joe show. We're definitely going to yeah. do that. So where do you want to see them going with Batman? Or do you think they should just step back until they, I, I know a lot of people are at superhero fatigue because they've just flooded the market and it's not I even see, good stuff. I, I've heard of that too. I think it's more, they're tired of bad storytelling yeah. instead of superhero fatigue. I think it's writer I some fatigue people, more than anything. I know, I know some people are just, they, they love superhero books, but, uh, no. I don't know how many people, times people complain they're tired of the pandering. It, it's fine if you want to create a character that's a minority of whatever ethnicity or sexual preference, that's fine. Make up a character. Don't suddenly say, oh, this known character that people have loved for, for decades is suddenly 
gay by straight whatever like tim drake yeah or iceman i said we're gay now yeah or yeah iceman is suddenly gay gay is i remember i can't remember exactly when but uh alpha flight had the character one of the characters uh north star north, north star they made a story out of him. I want to say in the nineties, mid nineties, late nineties. Yeah, I got that issue. It's uh, he but was they the they made an actual story. Gay hero. Yeah, they made an actual story, developed the character, and built the story around the character they developed, and he came out in in the mid nineties, or late nineties, and that's fine because you actually did storytelling and you developed the character. I, so I tend now we're just going to reboot so and so and. I'm surprised they haven't tried to make Batman some kind of uh, sexual minority now. Yeah. So I think it's more like I, I just don't understand making certain minuscule facets of your identity your whole identity. Like you're exactly. more than just what you do at home. I, I've written gay characters. Yeah. I've written even trans characters. But it wasn't like that was more incidental and it fit with that character because it made sense. I yeah. think retconning is because the – that has less to do with the authors and more to do with the publishing companies. If you work for Hasbro most of the time and you make a new character and it sells gangbusters and they've got the toys, the movies and all that, they got to share that with you because you created it. If you yeah. take the existing characters and you just per twist them a little bit, then they don't have to share anything with you. So it's more about they don't want to treat their authors right. Than the creators in general. That, that's yeah. a big reason why when you asked if you wanted to work for DC – that would be a big reason why uh, I wouldn't want to work for them was because they would try to find a way to screw me and yeah. it wouldn't be a fun way. <laughs> All right. And on that note, I guess we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the Batman cock and we're talk, talk. Batman's cock. What? I like your cup, Savvy. And uh, we're going to come back to uh, another episode where we're going to talk about all things um, GI Joe. And awesome. um, Hasbro so and corporate America, otherwise known as, I mean, have you seen all the memes where Cobra is like the good guy because they give benefits to all of their employees? Like, got the rack room, they got the health and fitness, they got the health care. They I got mean, their own rap the, album. The, the Did you know they had their own rap album? Yeah. I found it on, on Tubi. There's an, actually an episode in there where they were talking about Cobra had uh, this this like spa thing that they had created. Where the the Cobra, it was like a benefit of being a Cobra member is that you got to go to this vacation spa for like a week or whatever it was on Cobra so, Island, yeah, something like that. And it's like they, wow. <laughs> and eventually, it became their own country. Um, yeah, there's a lot of songs written about that on the. What's the name of that CD? Um, it was like a whole. It was called Cobra Island. Cobra Island, yeah. There was a there's and a rap CD called Cobra the Island. Story of um, and it. Goes over Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes little duel. Their back, their backstory and everything. Yeah, like talking about like Snake Eyes coming There's back from Vietnam, then he gets recruited by the Joes, and it's pretty cool. I'll send it to you. Please do, and if you can, we'll link it to the show notes where people can go check it out for themselves. Oh, absolutely. So, as this episode winds down, do you have a favorite memory uh, of your time spent in Gotham with Batman? For me, it always goes back to watching it with my grandfather. I think I think I'm in the same boat. I uh, watch Batman with my grandpa. Watching Batman sixty six with my mom. Yeah. What about you, John? Or, I'm, I'm Joe, saying, I don't know. Yeah, my, my parents have always been supportive. They know 
they knew that I love comic books since my, my stepdad first got me into it. So for me, just letting me explore the way I wanted was, was enough for me. I've always enjoyed just being able to read the comics. And then, uh, as, especially as I got to a point where I could start making them myself, it's always been fun for me just, just to, just to be there. If that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is the part, dear listener, where we remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms, even with the evil properties of Marvel and DC. Uh, please review what you read because it is the lifeblood of the comic and book industry. It helps the right readers find the right content. So please do your part. Uh, was that, that being phrase you have, JR? Reviews get you views? Sure. We'll go with that. That's what I'm doing wrong. Um, the reviews get you views. They do. Uh, and they help the right readers find the right book because please be kind and speak your mind. And I stole that shamelessly when I paraphrased the old blockbuster signs I used to have where you'd go in there <laughs> and the drop off. Please be kind and rewind. I never rewound. <laughs> I read this whole thing about how you were putting unnecessary pressure on it by getting it rewound. And so it was bad for it. But I'm just like, well, it's pressure the other way if you don't rewind it. I don't understand how it makes one bit of difference. But he had this whole theory on it. And every time we returned the movies, because it was like Friday, you'd go after school, you'd rent the movie. You'd have pizza and, and popcorn and watch a movie while your parents went on a date. And because we were latchkey kids, they just left us alone. I know, like you'd be at local news at nine if you did it now, but. So that was the thing back then. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? Because they didn't know where we were. We were out. Like, that was the rule. You come back with the streetlights. We were treated like a burden. It's like, oh, well, survival of the fittest. And I, I, I come to think of it, that's probably the best way to raise kids. The free-range kids, they call it now. We yeah, just called it childhood back then. I was expected to be home before the streetlights came on. And if and you didn't, there, there were, pre- there were uh, you knew you were in trouble, put it that way. Yeah, I was about to get that E Honda 100 hand slap on my ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of our listeners tell us about the, the deadly sandals that they would get. Uh, the Shankala of love. My mom was in Puerto Rican. She's she's Irish. So piss her off if you want to. My mom had the Tupperware spoons. And you know Tupperware don't break. So No, no. After a while, though. After a while, my mom would be like, all right, whatever. She just kept a tally of what I did because apparently I was a mischievous kid. She, wouldn't do, she wouldn't do much. Uh, my sure. dad, yeah, my dad was a truck driver as a kid and he'd come home like weekly. Yeah, for most time he'd come home weekly and I would think, hey, mom forgot about this. <laughs> we hadn't got home yet. Dad was come home. John did that. John did this. And I was like, oh, crap. You are not going to sit down tonight. No. <laughs> All right. So nope. speaking of, of sitting down tonight, when you sit down to buy the next thing you want to enjoy, John, how can they find you so they can buy your stuff? Go to Seclusion uh, Studios on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And we will link all of that in the show notes. You can find us on our link tree 
L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. Our link tree is at Linktree slash Blasters and Blades Podcast. We link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumbles, the Twitters, the emails, yep. our Facebook group over at uh, backslash groups, backslash, or slash, whatever. There's a slash involved. Blasters and Blades Podcast. And uh, we have all the shenanigans there. Enjoy the conversation. We uh, have talked about, because we don't want to only support the Zuckerberg, we want to give a little bit more... Um, diverse ways for them to find us. We've looked into the possibilities of a Discord channel. Uh, I just am not that tech savvy. So it's something we're considering. I've wondered about that. I've got, uh, I got it a Threads account, but I've heard of, of uh, the Discord. I just yeah, haven't looked into it. I've even got, a, I think, a WhatNot, WhatNot account at this point. That I have a WhatNot account? Yeah. <laughs> okay. let me, let me, hold on. Let me double check. Because I know I make had sure to, that you have your OF, OF account. I had to wait for them to approve it. Yeah, whatnot. Okay. I haven't done anything with it yet. <laughs> so we have uh, our email, blastersandbladespodcast at gmail.com, where you can send us serious inquiries only because we link on the link tree to Madam Stabby Stab's Instagram and Twitter. And that's where all of our hate mail will now be directed if she makes <laughs> you cry that on you people. Uh, and I am disappointed that so far. I will. I'll cut you. Uh, we need that on a t-shirt. I have not uh, heard any feedback that we've gotten hate mail yet, and I'm disappointed. Sure. Uh, so it's too bad. Too bad. They're too scared. That's it. All, it. all it takes is having an independent thought now, and you, you're you're going to get in trouble. This is true. So we have our our website is anchor.fm slash blasters tack and tack blades again anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades where for as little as 99 cents a month you can support the show and help keep the lights on uh we would greatly appreciate it if you did and you know stabby does like her shoes so you know that also helps uh and if you want to support the show more directly uh you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com slash author jr handley and every time i get the slash wrong you are watching my traumatic brain injury brain trying to figure out this change and I, <laughs> this might take a decade people so just bear with me it's like the the numbers aren't adding up column a and column b are just not not equal anymore um <clears throat> and with that being said uh, thank you for spending your precious time with us. For Nick Garber, Doc Seska, and Madam Stabby Stab, I am J.R. Handley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Shakalaka. Happy all right. Batman Day. Happy Batman Day. Thanks for coming on, John. This was a lot of fun. No problem. Oh, I and can your uh, YouTube as well. Thank you. We appreciate it. We are on the uh, Rumble and the Bit Shoot, and we are working on Odyssey. I don't know what that is, but I heard someone else mention it, so I said, well, we, you can't be on too many platforms, so why not? No. So. John, 